Hello, everyone. Welcome to Project Esports Podcast. It's January 7th, and it's uh, just me and James today. Andrew's out and about in uh, Colorado um, on a little trip, so just going to be us two today, but we have some really good things to talk about. Um, we have some, some Japanese esports to talk about, and I'll recap everything that happened at MAGFest for you guys. Um, but yeah, I guess let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Um, James, how are you doing? What's going on? <laughs> I'm doing all right, man. I uh, I just started school again today for uh, going going back to school for paramedicine. Uh, so yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's been a it's been a whirlwind of the last week, um, especially being off of the holidays and all that stuff. I guess we haven't actually done a show in like two weeks. So I mean, this is nice to get back. It's nice. We had a, we had a, like a prediction king video, but that was more of like you know it wasn't like a show show. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I guess we'll just jump right into it. Kind of related to that. Um, so yeah. in the prediction king, mm-hmm. I I made a prediction that with uh, MTG Arena um, getting picked up by Wizards of the Coast and getting actual funding as an esport, that there was going to be an esports team that picks it up, and and especially I was like, hmm, I think I think Tempo Storm is going to be one, and you know what, we got a we got a nice bit of news today. We got we did get some nice bit of news today. Why did you why, why don't you tell everybody what news we got today? You the, go the news that we got was that Tempo Storm did in fact pick up some players for um, MTG Arena, which um, you know cue cue the cue the Dota first blood sound. <laughs> Easy, I'm ready. I'm ready to to take that crown from Andrew with this. You know, I, I, I feel good about this year with predictions. I mean, you're off to a good start. We are we are literally a week in, and you've already you've already nailed one of the predictions. Yeah, I like and the, 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 for everybody who who's listening to this, um, it's, it wasn't as kind as Dylan makes it sound out. Dylan was very adamant. He was in our faces, but we're like Dylan, like everybody agreed with you, man. Like it made like if, it makes perfect sense that Tempo Storm would be the first ones into this, but he was he was adamant. Oh that, yeah, like he, like he owned this. Of course he did because it's Tempo Storm and. Why wouldn't Raynad get into MTG? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't he? And so just the specifics of who they picked up, uh, they ca- picked up Caleb D, Jeff Hoogland, and MTG Nerd Girl. Um, so these three are pretty, I would say, uh, have a diverse background in Magic. So they're all Magic players. Um, so Caleb D specifically kind of focused in on just playing Paper Magic, I, I believe. Um, I know he did a little bit of streaming, but mostly his thing was uh, Paper Magic. He's done really well in a lot of the SCGs, um, which is basically kind of like, for anyone who knows like Paper Magic, there's there's a couple big tournaments. Um, some of the biggest ones are obviously the ones put on by Wizard of the Coast, but Star City Games also puts on a couple, um, and those are pretty, pretty held in high regard. So he does well with that. Um, Jeff Hoogland, um, he does stream as well as, you know, mm. doing well in Paper Magic too. So it's a, it's a pretty big, uh, like trend of just people being good in paper and that just transferring over. And then you have MTG Nerd Girl, which I think this one is, is pretty good. So she has like 18 years of experience in Magic Gathering, like super, super long, long time player. But she had like a brief stint as like a poker pro. <laughs> yeah, like what a combo, man! Right on. And the thing though is, this isn't it. This isn't like a like a weird thing for esports players or just like competitive players, I guess, in general. So there's just like a weird trend of like people who are really good at things like esports, and I guess Magic is kind of esports adjacent at this point. Um, it's like yeah. a it's a competitive card game that whenever you compete in something like that. You just have skills in like poker, I guess, because I know a ton of StarCraft professionals 
like transitioned over to poker. Like it, it's just a weird really? trend of just like people really good at esports and stuff. Just like yeah, no, no, I also play poker and made a ton of money in poker. It's like what, what? Is it like now? Is it like the decision making process? Like, is that? Do you think that's where the big contributor is? One hundred and ten percent. I think there's yeah. just like something with like the strategy involved in it, and something behind like being able to make those high level decisions. Um, yeah. And it being like, I guess that's why there's like no uh, crossover between like a sports professional and a poker pro. Like, I'm sure there is some, but like the the yeah. rate isn't as high because mm-hmm. you know people play esports and you know. Uh, things like Magic Gathering, they're just hyper-specific on strategy, and I think that's what carries over. Yeah, no, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. I've actually watched uh, Jeff Hoogland stream a couple times. Um, the guy's, he's, like, he's really, really good, but I mean, like, I don't know, like, he's a little annoying, but I mean, like, I feel like, I feel like, the, I don't know, that seems to be a trend with, like, Magic players, is, like, they're usually, like, an over, like, a, like a very overbearing, over-analytical personality, because I think the game just makes you that way. Like I feel like this is like they're they're like molded by their game, but um, yeah, no, I'm excited to see like what the MPG Arena like esports like interface looks like. You know what I mean? And how they do this up and how they do the tournaments up and stuff like that, right? I want like, do you think they're gonna like stick like super traditional and like stay like basically how like paper is run or tabletops run or like you think they're gonna do their own thing? So I think it's gonna be pretty similar. Um, I can't see them deviating from, like, the best of, like, three or more mm-hmm. with the siding and uh, with sideboarding and all that. I don't really see them deviating from that too much. The only thing yeah. I really see is them just getting a better user experience. Because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but watching tabletop magic is awful on live streams, like, on, on Twitch it's, and stuff. It's yeah. garbage. <laughs> Even people who are super into it are just, like... I don't even know what's going on half the time because like we were saying it's played so fast and it's so hard to see the card sometimes that it's like unless you're you know you're super invested into it and you know but the deck's inside and out it's hard to keep up and so I really hope this is going to be a better viewing experience and I wonder if the interface it being um, digital rather than you know paper magic and physical if it's going to lead to some different pros going into it you know because at the end of the day standard it's standard they're playing with literally the same decks the only difference is one is physical and one's digital so i wonder if some people who play in paper you know that transition to digital might be a little bit different i i I don't know i I, i'm very curious to see if there is you know a one-to-one crossover or if some people are just focusing on one or the other yeah yeah no because i mean that's that's i think that's the biggest thing about mdg arena the way they're doing it up is like the accessibility where like it is it's exactly like the paper like i mean like you know like the the exact same cards there's no variations or anything like that um i want to know if they like how they're going to do their tournaments up because i mean they did like they sunk what like a million dollars into into way more but yeah no yeah 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 yeah. um no it was like 10 million something something ridiculous yeah exactly so i'm interested to see if they do it like the fgc community does and they do like open tournaments and stuff like that where anybody can just kind of like enter it and show up i don't so far like... no i would say so far no because i know the first thing that they're doing is going to be at pax east and that's invitational only that's invitational okay yeah. well there you go but okay, i mean so we can't really say one way or the other because i know when hearthstone first started out they were just inviting streamers and personalities into their tournaments so it, it may deviate it may deviate i hope it does i really hope it does yeah yeah, because I mean, like, I don't want to, like, 
I understand like the invitational setup and like why they do it and stuff like that, but I would like to see it very open to like everybody. Because I feel like I feel like that's what kind of promotes the game better is just bring a ton of people in, bring like as many people as you can to it, and if you get random pros out of the blue or guys who are like are like fairly un- like are known to paper, but like are just like I don't have a team or anything like that, but I want to play an arena, and then you just end up cleaning up, then oh, that's awesome, right? So. Yeah, no, I uh, I'm excited, man. I really like I, this is. I feel like this is going to take off. I'm, ooh, I'm getting hyphy. Yeah, I like this. So one of the interesting things about Magic that's going to be different between the two is so in Arena you're only going to have standard, right? <clears throat> so you can so anyone who doesn't really know too much about Magic, you can totally think about this like Hearthstone standard of where cards rotate. Um, the rotation system is a little bit different, but it, it's basically the same. Now, the thing with Paper Magic is that. Whenever there is a you know a Grand Prix, um, it's in a different city, and the main event, the one that's really important, the one that you actually make money off of, is different every single time. Um, mm-hmm. So you can go to like <clears throat> here in DC, we had one that was uh, it was called Team Sealed. So anyone who knows like uh, card games, basically it's you and two other people are on your team, and it's uh, you it's a drafting format. In the next city over, in two weeks, it was modern. In another two weeks, in a different city, it was standard. So if you want to be a pro in paper, basically you have to be good at a lot of different formats of the game. But with Arena, it's just a singular format. It's always standard. So I think that's yeah. the interesting thing with this, is that people are going to hyper-focus in on standard and try to get really, really good at what's standard and what the current decks are. And you know, we might even see kind of like a, a meta break or something because of these top tier pros hyper focusing on one format rather than switching it up all the time to try to you know get as many points as they can in the overall season now do do you think this is gonna like heavily affect like paper magic like the way like like do you think this is gonna like like cut in on that scene and kind of like with like pros maybe transitioning from paper magic into like explicitly digital or like exclusively digital like you think you're gonna see, like they're gonna see a hit? I mean, I guess one way or another they don't care because it's it's both both of them are their game, right? So mm-hmm. I think the repercussions are gonna be pretty big, um, but I don't know how how effective it's gonna be because you can have a couple different things. You have a couple different uh, outcomes of this, I guess. So some of the outcomes could be certain professionals just going, I can just stream on Twitch and just play in arena tournaments and make all the money I need there. I don't actually yeah. need to go out to tournaments and grind it out and go to all these different cities. I can just play in arena and stream and that's I can make my money that way. So that could be a really big impact. It could take away from some of the standard um, player like tournament base. So instead of people going out to standard tournaments, they might just play in arena. You can also have instances, I guess, where there's an uh, like a, a big surge in players, so kind of the opposite thing of where people see Magic Arena on on Twitch. They're getting into Magic, they like it, they play Arena, they play with the decks. They're like, "Oh, this is really fun!" And then they go, "Whoa, there's actual local tournaments and stuff. I should go out and get a deck. I should, I can just remake my deck in paper and physically go yeah. play it. That's awesome. I'm going to do that." So I think it's going to be it's weird because there's a lot of different outcomes that can happen with this. I'm really excited to see what happens because. This is really big. This is really, really big. And I, I don't think people understand how big Wizards of the Coast picking up Arena in this kind of capacity is going to do for 
not only esports in general, but for the Magic community. I think it's going to have serious, serious impacts. Hopefully, it's hopefully it's all good impacts, but I, I guess we'll see. I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I think even depending on how it impacts it and, like, you know, the, the negative incomes, outcomes that we kind of talked about, like, even possibly do come to fruition, overall, it it resurrected Magic again, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Magic has done, a, like, a steady increase, I think, of, like, coming back and coming back into, like, the you know, the, uh, the limelight and stuff like that, but I think this kind of brought it to a new level regardless of how this goes, you know what I mean? So, um, and I think, I think, like you said, like, um, you know, guys are going to want to go out and recreate their decks like i think that's a very plausible possibility like i mean um like i'm like i don't know man i got a min- like we got the midnight release for uh allegiance coming out soon that i'm like i kind of want to go man like, yeah. you know what i mean like like i like i i you know you want to be on top of it and stuff like that right so and it, it you know it's cool to have the, like your your deck online like physically you know what mm-hmm. i mean now, i mean mind you it costs you way way more oh, yeah to uh to, to make it right but i mean it's still it's still really dope so, yeah, no, man, I'm uh, I'm excited for this. This is going to be fun. Yeah, and the other good thing about Arena for people who play Standard, it's an easy way to get, like, quote-unquote, I guess, reps in for your deck. Mm. So the biggest thing is you, you need to practice, right? But yeah. in paper, it's hard to practice unless you have, you know, a buddy who also plays, like, a ton of different Standard decks where you can practice against it. This is a really... It's also good. Yeah, and it's also good because before, you would have to play MTG online, which... Oh boy, there. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of issues with it. Interface is kind of clunky. Like, it is the best form of online besides Arena, I guess, but it's kind of clunky. You have to buy all the cards over again. Like, it feels bad. But this is like, hey, the economy of this is super easy. Go ahead and just make the deck, and then you can just queue up against unlimited amount of players and just like grind your deck out literally as long as you want. I think that's yeah. going to be really, really good for standard. I think so too. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, I feel like the amount of money that people have, like the pros, even like the pros, like, I don't know if they'll do something um, like they do in league where they unlock accounts for people like that and be like, okay, you have all the cards, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then this way you get to get, you get all your cards and you get to drill. Um, or, I mean, I still, even still, like, I feel like even if pros need to buy packs in MTG arena, it's still a significant less uh, money sink in comparison to trying to buy packs in paper and then having to try and buy, uh, buy specific cards you know what i mean i feel like the the cost is still cheaper online than it is uh, or like in arena than it because i feel like i feel like i have to say arena to specify that not magic online but magic arena mm-hmm. um like that that's the, 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 the i think it's still the cheaper route yeah because if you want to make any standard deck you probably only need to put in maybe a hundred dollars into arena at the very most which yeah. i know you might be thinking wow a hundred dollars for like a game that's a lot but compare this with other games like this is not only other games but actually just the magic economy in general a hundred dollars for basically any deck is not a lot of money that's incredibly oh, cheap. cheap so yeah yeah um for, and, for a team like, that's going to be a, a, basically a zero dollar investment for them a hundred dollars if you're on a team is just like yeah a hundred dollars get get packs whatever well that's just it. the team's gonna the, if you are a part of a team nine times nine times out of ten this team's probably gonna be like all right here's your here's your deck budget you know what i mean like yeah. and just like you, you know what i mean so, I mean, the, the shit, like, the, the, the thing is, is, like, you do have to, like, pick up certain packs depending on, like, because, I mean, in standard, we have, what, five or six different sets right now? Ooh, six? I... Five. Yeah, it's probably, I like, it's, five. Yeah, because it's uh, Ravnica, 19, um, Ixlon. Dominaria. Yeah, Dominaria, Ixlon, Ixlon, Rivals of Ixlon. Yeah, it's about five. And, 
Yeah, exactly, right? So, I mean, you do have to jump between a couple sets to try and build your deck up. But, I mean, again, I still feel like it's 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 dirt in comparison to... Those wild cards. Those wild cards really help. It do. Yeah, man. They, they, those are those are the best. Like, those... those. Uh, yeah, man, they're, they're a lifesaver. Yeah. Be- I don't know how... Like, I don't know how long I've been trying to, like, craft, like... What is it? History of... Benalia. Benalia, yeah. It's, and yeah, it's exactly. also pretty crazy because if you think about the paper form, if you get a booster box, which is like 30-some packs, you can only get, like, statistically, like, obviously statistics can make it like, oh, I can get a million in it or whatever, but um, statistically, yeah. you're only going to get two Mythics in an entire booster box, which is, more, like, it's about 90 bucks. It's That's a lot of packs, but if you open, yeah. if you open like, 36 booster packs in Arena... Not only are you going to open some mythics, you're probably going to get mythic wild cards too that you can yeah. use to get any of them. Like it's, I, I can't understate like how how good the economy of it is. Oh my god, yeah, man, it's I, I, it's unmatched. Mm. It, it blows it blows Hearthstone out of the water and it absolutely destroys artifacts. Oh, yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like so, yeah, yeah no. Besides uh, turning into like Project MTG. <laughs> podcast yeah. <laughs> let's go ahead and, and shift gears a little bit to something i For think sure. is gonna be a really good discussion and i'll let you kick it off but we're gonna talk about the um overwatch um discussion that's been going on with the potential hero bands so uh yes. yeah go ahead and go into it yeah so the the community around overwatch um because i think i think a big part of this comes from the current state of the game and the meta and the, the in the the heroes that are being played they're talking about getting into a similar format that a lot of other esports have done, almost every esport that I can think of, more or less, where you are able to ban champions and ban heroes, um, Rainbow Six ban operators. You know what I mean? Like you, like most other competitive esports, you can ban uh, specific champions, heroes, whatever, um, to really alter the enemy's game plan or your own game plan or make it work to your game plan better. So th- this is now the current topic um, that seems to be big in the Overwatch community. Um, I think it comes uh, heavily from the, not the newest champion, but or hero, but the chick with the shield. Um, Brigitte. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's why I didn't say it, because I don't know how to pronounce it. But it, yeah, I guess it, it comes heavily from an influence kind of from her, um, and how, how much she like alters the game, and the, the current state of it altogether. So, um, pre-show, uh, me and Dylan basically initially brought it up, and Dylan doesn't feel like it's it's good for the game. Doesn't feel like it would be a good thing. Yeah, I don't think it's good for the game because it's you. You compare it with other esports where you can ban heroes and champions, but Overwatch is different. So in those games, you basically lock into it, and then you mm-hmm. go into the game. But with Overwatch, it's you could swap out. Every, like like in the middle of the game, everyone can just swap their heroes if they really wanted to. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like the game has enough heroes right now um, to be to justify hero banning. I feel like the format of just being able to swap in and out of heroes doesn't lend itself very well to doing that. And on top of that, because of all that, I feel like I feel like balancing should really kind of figure it out. So if someone picks um, Brigitte, for instance, if she's too good and she's kind of breaking the meta, I know Mercy was a lot like this, of where she wasn't she wasn't breaking the game. But back in the day, she used to be so good that there's no reason why you wouldn't pick her, right? Right. And there was no good, I think, anti-Mercy, like, composition to go against or whatever. So, like, you couldn't do counterplay. You just picked Mercy because Mercy was the best, you know? So everyone would always run her. I think that... And, and they eventually balanced her because of that. I think that's the the steps that they need to take is if there is no 
uh, counter strategy that you could employ mid game, mm-hmm. then it's not fun, and I feel like it. There, it's not deserving of a ban because if there isn't, then people are just going to ban that hero every single time, right? Um, yeah. And also because it's not a really big cast, you. What does that mean? Just like one, like both teams get one hero ban each, or? Uh, yeah, and that's just it. Well, I mean, I feel like where you can use both, like all heroes on like attack and defense. Of course, some of them not being ideal. Um, I feel like it would be one. I don't think I think two is too much because then you're taking out four entirely. Mm-hmm. But which, but I think two, I. I think uh, I think two is probably like the highest you'd want to go, but I, I feel like um, I think I think the big problem with the Overwatch League and where where they're so closely tied, like to the actual game developer and the league itself, is that you can't have implicate like have things happen like what, what you're seeing in Rainbow Six, where uh, Lion because he's so busted and he so and he alters the gameplay or he's the biggest meta breaker right now. They the, the because the leagues are run by somebody else independently, they just ban him outright. He's not allowed in, in competitive play, you know what I mean? I almost feel like Overwatch League should be like I mean, like if it wasn't run by Blizzard, um they like you know, the tournament organizer would be safe be like, "Okay, she alters the game too much. She you have to play around this this hero and there's no good counter. There's nothing that, that there's nothing that does well against it." Um, and if we introduce bans, she's going to be banned regardless. She's going to be banned immediately. We should just perma-ban her until she is fixed by the developer. And, of course, you can't do that because Overwatch and Blizzard are, are like – or uh, Overwatch League and Blizzard are, like, the same entity. You know what I mean? So – I and I feel like their hands are tied this way. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's – that kind of really constricts them is what they're going to do with this. But I don't know. I think it's a good thing. I feel, I feel like – if you have a champion or a hero or whatever you want to call it that is so heavily influential on the game that there is no good counterplay because we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen really any – because I, I feel like even somebody like me who isn't huge in Overwatch League but still is around the community, you'd see something posted about this is what counters the meta right now. You, you don't see it. You know what I mean? So, But, I mean, the meta does shift. It does move. Whenever there's mm-hmm. new heroes out, especially it always moves and stuff like that. I think you're understating – it being Blizzard. Blizzard is a company that's very different from others. They're super hands-on with their balance balancing. Like, even super small things of, like, we just tweak this hero's damage a little bit. But, I mean, I, mean, I, I feel like that's what's different, is we see a lot of changes with hero. Like, they, they, they're not afraid to completely rework a hero. Yeah, it's true. Now, yeah. we do see that with Riot. Riot has done that. Like, they're periodically kind of going through people and just... Just like changing them almost completely, changing aesthetic, changing the the loadouts of them. Like I know, like oh, wow, this is like a long time ago, but like Tarek, for instance, right? Completely yeah. reworked them because, like, I mean, he, it's not like they were reworking someone who was super, super good or anything. No, they were modernizing. Yeah, they were modernizing yeah. because he had a uh, he had uh, click abilities, right? Where you just click on people, yeah. and they're like, we don't want that design. Let's change it. Um, yeah. So even though they do that, I, Overwatch isn't afraid to change someone, especially someone like Mercy. You know they. They completely changed it around because of balancing issues, you know, because mm-hmm. they felt like it wasn't fun gameplay and it wasn't like good for a competitive environment. They just reworked her and they're they're not afraid to do that. And I, I feel like that's why it's kind of OK to not have these bands, because if something's super oppressive and something is just constantly in the meta, they do see that they do recognize right. it. Either one, they're probably going to release a hero soon that's going to change things up a little bit, or they'll go, you know what, this this needs a rework. This needs a little bit of a change. And I and like I don't disagree that they're not afraid to do it. It's the biggest concern for me. 
um, especially for the competitive environment, is the time elapsed it takes them to do that. You know what I mean? One way or another. Like, I mean, again, yeah, like Mercy is a fine example because they weren't afraid to just gut Mercy and completely like change it around and stuff like that. Uh, but it's just like the biggest concern is that you need to make sure, especially from a financial standpoint, like you need to make sure that people want to watch this and they're not bored to tears because of like the like the setup right now and stuff like that, right? So, I mean, you want you want to see these kind of implications come like a, a little quicker, I guess. I don't know. And I feel like hero bands is like a good temporary fix for that. Now. I mean, like, um, uh, and, and, and like, and not like all the time, but I feel like, um, like where you do have these oppressive champions, like that's kind of when it really like shows its merit. And then otherwise you're just, you can like target ban the enemy. You know what I mean? Like say they have like, you know, a really good, like, I don't know, really good, like Genji one trick or something like that. Or somebody who's like, like it's something that's off meta, but he like that, that, particular player can abuse it um then you can ban it when everybody else is kind of balanced you know what i mean like i i that's I not it, how it's going to look in practice though because in practice the way that it's going to look in the overwatch league is that one you're going to ban heroes that are kind of oppressive so like brigitte obviously would be a pick right yeah. one of the teams yeah, is exactly. going to pick that and so if you if you're the team that has to pick the one who kind of i don't want to say breaks the meta but the you have to pick the hero that breaks the meta the other team has the advantage of being able to yes. ban your best your best player. So, I mean, initially, I'm just looking at DPS players. Like, some DPS players are just godlike at Widow, you know? Widow is a yeah. super important hero. And so they'll look and go, wow, you know, uh, you know, Carpe's been doing really good on Widow. Let's just <laughs> let's snipe that Widow out of there. So, eh, you can't use Widow for the entire game. And I feel like... Yeah. I feel like the implications on the way Overwatch is, it's just... I feel... I don't know. It just... It doesn't feel good to me. And see, and that's where I go back to like the global ban. You know what I mean? Like, like, and again, Riot does the same thing. I believe, um, I believe Xin Zhao, like during the Casper Cup, like the Korean, the Korean like premier, like uh, challenger premier tournament, he was actually outright banned because of because of issues with like damage registration and stuff like that. So I mean, it's a bug, but it, again, it's still somebody not afraid to outright ban a, a champion entirely and just take him off the map. No, but I, I, I think understand. that's that's what uh, Blizzard would do too, though. If they were like, wow, yeah. this thing, we're going to change this thing. It's not where we want it right now. It's going to take a bit for us to do that. So in all our competitive yeah. leagues, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're shelving this hero for now. I feel like they've probably done that before. I feel like heroes have come out. It's come out on the ladder, but they're like, this, this isn't ready to be put into the competitive game yet. They've they've done that before, so I I don't feel like Blizzard would feel weird about about doing that. Who did they do that with? You do you remember by chance? I mean, I, I don't off the top of my head to be honest. But... Yeah, no, no, no. And like, I mean, if they have, that's good. That's yeah. good that they're like self aware of that, right? Because I feel like that's the big thing is that like the developer gets so far removed from the competitive and like that's not their main focus, and then the competitive suffers, and then and it's that's the complete thing. opposite. I feel like for for Blizzard, I feel like they're so hyper focused on the Overwatch League that like. If something's going on there, they're going to change it. They're going to fix it. I don't. Yeah, that's true. They they seem to. I think Blizzard's always been top down when it comes to balancing. I know specifically this was for StarCraft. Um, mm-hmm. They balanced it from a very top down perspective of where they would look at what are the best players doing, how are their strategies working, and let's let's balance around that because we're not going to balance around bronze where you know in bronze like you have people come in and just like baneling all in you. And you're bronze and you suck and you're just going to get demolished by it every single time. They're not going to bounce around that. They're going to bounce at the top. And right. I feel yeah. like that's what Blizzard's design philosophy has always been. Even in something like, wow, it's probably bounced from the top because they're not looking at seeing what, you know, um, like, 
you know, normal the Raiders nor- are the, the normal and LFR Raiders. Yeah, they're not that, looking yeah. to see who's doing good in that. They're looking at like the top tier, like Method and and all those other uh, all, all those other teams on what they're doing in Mythics. Is is there a certain DPS that's like out of control in Mythics? Right, they'll look at that and then balance accordingly. They're not they're not balancing for LFR. Well, I know they do that with like the top keys. I know they bounce around that, like with like Mythic Dungeons and stuff like mm-hmm. that, right? So. If that's how it's how the, if that's how their design focuses, then that's really good. Like I, I and I hope like I hope this can, that kind of like them being so diligent and so like on top of like them like doing these addressing these tweaks and stuff like that, they'll like maybe shut the community up because I know I know I know historically the Overwatch community is very like insanely vocal. Like they're more vocal than League. They're because I mean I find with League that the fan base is big enough that like. A bunch of like the like you know the old guard can like sit there and like all the new players that are coming and pissed off and stuff like that. They shut them up pretty quick. Like they sort out their own really well. But I feel well, Overwatch is so new. It's just like public outcry after public outcry. If we've been wrong, we have like this crazy you know we have this crazy like you know meta that is just like it's super broken. We need to fix it. Somebody address something. So if they just if they keep trucking on in their same method, then we should be we should be okay. Um, and this will just be like a flavor of the month thing where everybody called for this and then it kind of got dismissed after a while mm-hmm. maybe i don't know we'll see yeah I, I think it's one of those things we'll see but i really don't have any i i don't think blizzard will do this i i mean i can see it down the road if they get more heroes like if, if they're like their roster of heroes increases like exponentially but i mean we we're still not there yet yeah, i don't yeah. think we'll be there for a little while no i i think i think that's right i think eventually we might see it but mm-hmm. yeah but, yeah, quite a ways away. Yeah. So I guess we'll just shift over and talk about something I'm kind of excited for and I think could be pretty good. So uh, Tokyo, Japan, like mm. the city itself announces <laughs> that there's going to be esports tournaments for 2019. Now, I know what you might be thinking. It's weird that a city is announcing there's tournaments. Why would they do that? So this was actually an announcement from the governor, I think it's called. I think that's like the translated version of like, Whoever runs, you know, who's ever in charge of Tokyo, I guess. Um, uh, But I guess that prefecture or whatever. So they announced, like, hey, esports are going to happen in 2019. So the thing with that is, is before you couldn't really have esports tournaments because it was a weird form of gambling, technically. Or, you know, it's just like weird rules and stuff like that. And so now they can have esports tournaments with the caveat of you have to be a professional gamer. To play in these tournaments. Okay, so like, all right now, like I'm, I'm, I'm like, like reading over the article right now. So do you have to be like considered like a professional gamer to even enter, or like once you enter, you're considered a professional gamer? I think you have like, to be a professional gamer to enter for prizing, but like what's the criteria. I don't like, know. That's the thing. They don't outline it, and so it's weird, I guess. Um, so this is fine for premier tournaments. Perfectly fine for premier tournaments especially if you're doing something like fighting games you yeah. know japan has a lot of really good fighting game players that you for sure just bring them in and and it's and it's a perfectly fine top 32 yeah absolutely but what is that what does that mean though professional is, gamer we're, we might get our first definition of a professional gamer like tokyo might give it to us like I, like i know that <laughs> in korea um like kespa and stuff gave out like licenses you got your like pro gamer license like you had to go out and like apply for it and actually get it but i don't know if japan is going to do something similar now or what's going on 
Well, like, Korea's so adamant on it because it exempts you from military service, right? Like, it's such a big deal there to get that, like, or, like, it, like it's it's a massive workaround. It, to, like, it's, a, it's a valid delay of service. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's been anybody historically that's completely, com- completely exempt from it. I feel like some of the old StarCraft pros, there might have been one or two that, like, just didn't have to do it because they were a pro for so long. I don't know. Um, but, because I, I feel, I feel like that's happened in league i feel like that happened with ambition i don't know because he just retired but i think he's past the point of military service because he has a family now or something like that i don't know but like where japan you don't have that or not japan specifically but tokyo (laughs) tokyo you don't have that right i love that it's called the tokyo governor's cup esport esport tokyo governor's cup esport games that is a mouthful (laughs) oh my god i feel i feel like uh i feel like he just like took all the words and was like chucking all the yeah. one this is this is the this is the tournament now but yeah no i'm interested to see what their their conditions are what their condi- like what their criteria is for a professional gamer i almost want to put it in air quotes but i don't think like, i mean it's it's a thing i don't have to put it in air quotes like um what do you what do you think their criteria is going to be like how do you think they're going to do that i think it's probably going to be a monetary criteria probably like you have to like Maybe it's like a, oh, I guess, I don't know. I actually don't know because, like, if it's a, you have to make X amount or more in income to be considered a professional gamer, how do you go about winning the original kind of money? I don't know. I actually don't know. I, I think it'll probably be, like, an application kind of thing. I think that makes the most sense. I don't know if they're going to give out, like, you know, like, actual professional gamer licenses, but, like, yeah. I feel like there's going to be some sort of application process for it. Now, the implications of this, I think, are pretty cool, though, because, like, esports has been not a huge thing in Japan, and I really hope this is, like, the the stirrings of it really starting to take off. I really hope this is, like, what's going to start really, like, uh, like turning the bottom and getting people excited in, in Japan for esports. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, I mean, the big thing for me is, like, um, like, what if, like, what, like, what if you aren't, like... Or what if you're, like, a really good amateur who just hasn't been signed to a team or something like that? Or, like, you know, like, I'm afraid that, that it's, it might have some limitations. Like, I mean, at, at the very least, like, I mean, this is almost being taught, done up like an invitational. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like you're you're considered an elite. Come in, and we'll see how this goes, and we'll run from there. But, yeah, I hope this is kind of, like, the start of it, too. And, like, I mean, it sucks that it has to start in Tokyo. And, like, the governor is, like, he's the – like, they're the – I don't is – it, is it a he or she, like, for – Tokyo, I don't know. I don't um, know. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, like, it, I'm surprised that it, like, it has to be them to be like, this is how we're doing it. Oh, it's a she. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, that like she has to be like, okay, we're gonna start this trend in Japan. Like the the, the, the country of Japan isn't gonna do this. We're gonna start this, and we're gonna go from there. So mm-hmm. I hope it. I hope it gains ground, and I hope like the I, I'm I'm kind of surprised that like you know like the Japanese government hasn't started to make some alterations and kind of I don't know not considered some weird form of gambling i really hope we're gonna get away from that yeah but i because but i know that's that's like a cultural thing and like that's like yeah because gambling does have some really weird laws in in japan so i know the biggest Mm -hmm. thing is with um pachinko so pachinko (laughs) is wild in japan um so they have like entire like multi-story places in, in tokyo for it and you go in and it's the loudest sound in existence i've never been any place that's been louder but the way it works essentially is that like you pay money to get these ball bearings and you take the ball bearings and you put them into this machine and I don't know how the game works but it's some crazy like kind of uh, like slot machine sort of deal and then you win more ball bearings and you use those ball bearings to get prizes 
and that's like a weird workaround for it um okay so yeah gambling laws are, are definitely very strange in japan sometimes they, they there's definitely like a taboo there so they do um things that kind of separate it and unfortunately because of that it entering into tournaments playing games isn't inherently always seen as like a competition and stuff in the past and so like this is just like i think things just catching up with law of where everyone's like oh these aren't gambling games they're you know they're they're like a like a sport that we have mm. to regulate like a sport or a competition right yeah and i think that's maybe where we might see tokyo like actually adopting like esport as a thing right like i mean it's even in the it's even in the name of the goddamn title right i mean they use like, they use the the wrong spelling but they they do they do but you know what they're making they're making big moves mm-hmm. we'll, we'll give them this we'll exempt them like i'm sure somebody will correct them at some point yeah one day um, one day <laughs> one day yeah exactly right it's weird to see like i'm like I'm, I'm happy to see it um but i know like i know the the japan like the league legal legends like japanese league has had some like sketchy issues with like players being basically kept there like more or less against their will like through like contractual obligations oh and stuff like that yeah like it was some sketchy stuff like a while back so i'm hoping like this is gonna like if it's kind of like if they're making it like globally like or like not globally but across like all platforms and stuff like that you're gonna get away from that because the more exposure mm-hmm. kind of eliminates that kind of thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. so because you don't you don't see it in north america anymore like you bear like i mean as far as like people getting screwed over contractually to that extreme like you do, like just it's not a thing anymore because it's it's so like paved out and leveled out and stuff like that um it definitely still happens but just not to that extent where people can't go home right you know what i mean yeah. like so i'm hoping with like the more exposure in japan like you don't see that anymore right like i mean you saw you saw a similar thing in australia but australia is getting more, more more teams and stuff like that as well so or like more like esports as well so it, yeah no i'm excited for this you, this do you be- think it's going to take off like, do you think this is going to be some of the first things to actually make Japanese esports big? I don't know. I, I It depends on what... I think the biggest thing is going to depend on what games they have a part of it. I think that's going to be the biggest indicator. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, it, like, games and then prizes, like, I think those are going to be the two big ones yeah. that really indicate, like, how, how much it is. As well as the whole professional gamer application. Like, I want to know. That's going to... like. But I think... If this is done correctly, I think definitely. Like, I think this is definitely going to be like the, the the foundation for this. Is it going to be the most crazy successful thing in the world? Probably not. But I think this is definitely like a good stepping stone if it's done correctly. Yeah. Because right? what, what about you? I'm hoping it does super well because you know a lot of a lot of countries are starting to get super into Overwatch. You know, we have Chinese mm-hmm. teams, we have like Korean teams, we have three Chinese teams. Yeah, <laughs> and like they're all super into Overwatch and stuff. Four. Yeah, yeah, I guess it is. It's a four. It's well because we had three Chinese expansion teams plus the Shanghai Dragons. What it was? Wait, was it three expansion teams? Spark, Hunters, and and um, oh my god, the other guys. Charge! Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, so yeah, four teams, which is <laughs> which is a lot. Um, so I mean, I hope it starts to take root because you know something like Overwatch, I really do want like a like a, a like a tokyo team like that'd be really cool i think yep. and it just it would make the overwatch league feel a lot more of like a global kind of league and i think that's really cool i really like that feeling so i i really want something like this to take off because we haven't really seen a lot of esports out of japan except for fighting games which i mean don't get me wrong they have like some of the best fighting game players out there like 
Daigo. Like, oh my god, Daigo. Oh, Daigo, yeah. Like, the yeah, legend. Daigo has his own manga. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, like, he's a legend. But I, like, I feel like, I feel like Japan can produce more Daigos if the infrastructure is there for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, yeah. And in other platforms, too, right? Like, not exclusively fighting games. Like, I, uh, I, like, I mean, hey, man, if you're super good at one thing, like, then why, why fix it? But I mean, like, di- like, I'm sure, I'm sure those skills can transition into other platforms as well. And we can see some, you know, crazy stuff out of them. I'd love to see their league, like their league division, like not get blown out at, uh, like planes yeah. every every world. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but yeah, but, no, that uh, I think we, I think we talked that 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 topic into the ground. I'm, I'm I'm happy about that. Yeah. So I guess we'll go on to our last, I guess, big thing, which isn't inherently like a like a news, um, thing. But I uh, know, I guess I know we do have one more. We do have one more after this, but this is our last big thing, I guess. Um, so okay. I went to MacFest. Um, this past mm. weekend, um, I did a couple panels there on collegiate esports, and I just want to talk about the feeling of esports at some of these conventions because MacFest traditionally isn't. I mean, it's music and gaming, um, and obviously yeah. there's like it's kind of like general nerd culture kind of stuff of like there's a lot of anime stuff there and whatnot, but it was more focused on the music aspects and like gaming, like just. Um, casual kind of gaming but there's been a lot of esports surgeons in conventions like this so obviously i think it was last year you know we talked about esports at pax east and how that's getting really big but even something like this there's a lot more panels on just esports people talking about esports as well as just a ton of tournaments there was a ton of different tournaments there um they had like a big land tournament league of legends tournaments um fighting game tournaments like even hearthstone tournaments like everything there now they weren't huge they weren't like big premier tournaments or anything like that but they're there they're they're there they're having signups and prizes and stuff and it's exciting to see it's exciting to see get to have more people excited about esports in areas that aren't heavily esports you know like like uh blizzcon for instance you expect to go there and see esports but if you go to a, a convention you don't expect to go there and just see stuff with esports no, yeah, that's just it. Like, it's 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 nice to see that it's like it's pushing its way into those kind of things and making it much more of a of a normal, I don't know, like a normal like like or like yeah, like a regular occurrence. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and it, it's becoming promoted that way. And I hope, I, I, a big thing I hope for is like esports team to recognize this that like you know the, these these like you know festivals and stuff like that. Like, this is somewhere where you can promote your brand too. You know what I mean? Like, I, can you imagine like if a rep from like one of the teams like came to like something like Macbeth? Like, I mean, that'd be It'd be great for them, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially if esports are becoming more like the forefront of these things. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just really cool that you can now go basically any big convention and go, oh, I play a Hearthstone, like I'll enter into this tournament. Like, yeah, the prize pool is not going to be that good. It's maybe going to be like a hundred bucks if you win, but you can expect to go there and at least play. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's really cool, and I think it's a good thing for esports that we're seeing it in a casual light. Because obviously, if you want more of a bigger fan base overall, you need that that good casual market for it. Well, that's just it. Yeah, you don't want you don't want esports to be this kind of like um, exclusive thing that like either like die like super diehard fans mm-hmm. or like outright pros are into. You know what I mean? You really do want to open up to like everybody, right? And I think we're we're getting there with some titles. Like I feel like League and League and probably Overwatch um, are like the two and like. Maybe see probably CS:GO as well. They're, like those are the ones that are really becoming um, popular, like with a casual market too. Mainly because of their influence in the game. Um, I feel like Rainbow Six is getting there as well because the skins are the skins are there. You know what I mean? So you're like you're like oh like you know 
why does such and such operator have like you know a fanatic skin or like a uh, rogue skin you know what mm-hmm. i mean let's check that out but like you you do, you do you need to promote it like this like i mean you need to have that casual aspect there to to really draw in more fans right so what do you think the implications of something like this are? Like the, the implications of having panels of where you just talk about esports, not even from a what is esports, like what's going on here, but from like more of an in-depth kind of thing, as well as just having random tournaments. What do you think the implications are for just like, I guess, like the gaming and like nerd culture, like in, in like its You mean entirety. like the negative? No, no, just... You mean like the... Ne- no, like, like the positive. I guess the positive, because I don't really see any negatives, unless you see some negatives. I don't know, man. Like, I feel like I feel like with some people, that the the competitive, the competitive aspect just isn't like it, of interest. And I feel like if people start to push, have it feel like it, 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 like it's pushed on them, they may not be interested in it, or it may shy them away from it. I don't know. Like, I almost see the same thing in like traditional sports where people play like people play soccer, people play football, and like basketball and stuff like that, but they don't care about the NBA, the NHL, you know, pro league stuff like that, right? So if it starts becoming almost like the two can come kind of hand in hand and like and then you then you have like aggressive fan bases, um, which I mean, that's esports and traditional sports. They both have them. Right. But these people who are like casual and like they kind of want to start to get into it and stuff like that. Um, and they just, you know, they get like like I mean, I I saw a good thing the other day where uh, a buddy of mine tweeted that like, you know, like geeks. Um, are isolated because they're, you know, not because they're, like, weird or isolated. It's usually because they're assholes, you know what I mean? And, like, I feel like that kind of bleeds with nerd culture and, and, and like, fan bases as well, where you get people who are overly aggressive and overly toxic on the... Because, I mean, all these things happen on the internet, man. Like, that, that's the big platform where this this conveyed. So I feel like this, like, elitism of, like, fan bases and stuff like that, they don't want to let new people in and stuff like that because they are, they're new or they're not super into it. I don't know. Like, I, that's, the, that's the negative I see. Which could hurt not only the game but the market as well, like like the esport market as well. Um, but I mean, like on the flip side, it depends on like the fan base. If the fan base is, is super good and like known for being like open and stuff like that, and want to bring more people in, I think I think the two just kind of go hand in hand, and then people can be more okay with like feeling like their game is directly associated with an esport. Much like again, like I mentioned before, like Overwatch and like League of Legends, like the, the two go hand in hand. They may not watch it, but they, they like the skins and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So I guess kind of going into that, do you think that, yeah, I, I would say like esports sometimes is um, very aggressive with its fan base and it doesn't have the best fans out there for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would I would say that a lot of sports in general does have, it, they every, every sport has that fan base. It's always yeah. there, but I feel like esports, it's a little too big, like percentage-wise, it's a, maybe a little bit too big. So, I mean, I think kind of, I, I have the same thoughts as you, but the opposite thing of where, you know, maybe this is good because it can bring in those casual fan bases. You know, the casual people who just were like, oh, yeah, like, uh, you know, Overwatch League games on, I'm just going to watch it or whatever. Or, like, maybe they don't even watch the game. Maybe they just, like, passively follow it. And so those people come in and they enjoy it from a non-toxic kind of way not saying that like if you're super into it you're going to be toxic but you, yeah you know what i mean yeah no i i, I totally get you exactly right like i, I like and, and that's what I, I that's what i hope for i'm just afraid that like you know you get like i mean dude i spend too much time on reddit uh especially like say like the you know the clg fan bases and stuff like stuff like that like 
those guys can be like ruthless and mm-hmm. relentless to like people who like you know are just like oh you know like maybe we should swap out x player for y player and like give like a decent breakdown but like they don't know the history or anything like that and then they just get like berated you know what i mean and i'm afraid like and i mean i haven't done a lot of in- like digging in like other fan bases but and i wouldn't be surprised if it's the same thing you know what i mean um i don't think it's limited to like my the one team i'm into um but i i do hope it kind of like tips the balance where you're like okay um you know the the surgence of casual players has really put a damper on um the the aggressive fan base especially where you do get a lot of people who are middle of the road and like sane thinkers who are like dude shut up like you know this this person wants to get into it you know what i mean so you know i think like with some fan bases like the aggressive the over aggressive like personalities just outweigh the sane thinkers and the sane thinkers are like i just don't want to i don't want to deal with this why am i wasting my time with this right yeah no i i i totally agree with that because i think you could probably go to like um our like nba or whatever and you would have the same type of discussions if it's team-based um mm-hmm. i mean i'm hoping that like you were saying like there is the surgence of just people who casually follow it like dude you're kind of you know you're being a jerk like chill out <laughs> yeah exactly right like I, I like i mean i follow like i'm like a, a part of like the the green bay packers community and i find they're pretty good with like like casual fans and mm-hmm. stuff like that you know, just people being stoked that they're at a game or they're, a, you know, they're a fan and they're going to a game and stuff like that, right? Um, but I feel like just with esports where, I don't know, I, I, I feel like everybody still has their walls up, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, this is like, this is a new thing. This is our thing. You can't, t- like, we don't want anybody else a part of this, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's just going to be a transitional thing over the next couple of years because, uh, like, like I mean, like, there's a reason why we're doing the podcast. Like, esports is here to stay. Like, I mean, it's not going anywhere. It might evolve, but I mean, the fan base, like, the fan base culture is still going to stay the same. So, I think if the, as long as the, the the team or like the the fan base is evolved productively, I think like we'll be we'll be fine. Yeah. So, so another thing I did notice there is I was on a couple panels and the discussion of the NCAA kept coming up over and over. And Ugh. oh boy. Um, so the one <laughs> thing I did hear about is that supposedly the NCAA is supposed to have an announcement about esports. They didn't say what the announcement was. It could just be like, hey, we're going to get into esports in the next decade. It could be something like that. Could, super um, vague, yeah. But it was pretty vague. It was just... You know, we're gonna we're gonna talk about esports. We're gonna come out with an announcement in February. I, I think it was like it was something okay. like X amount of weeks or or here's the date for it. Um, but I think it's sometime in February they're gonna talk about esports because I know they were actually on the hunt for a bunch of different esports consultants to do research for them and to kind of inform them. I think they're past that point. I think they have the info that they need to actually make an announcement, and they're doing it soon. And oh my god. I really hope they don't get into esports. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, we talked about this a little while ago and how we're just like, I think it was like almost this time last year mm-hmm. where we were like, please, for the love of God, don't get into it. Because we're going to see, we're going to see the gong show that we see with college sports, man. It's going to be a mess. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, I don't know, man. Hopefully just, they just say we didn't. I just we don't, don't think esports lends itself very well to the NCAA and the bureaucracy behind it because some of the discussions we had were what does it even look like so you have a lot of big companies which you know let's just say riot for instance if the ncaa went to riot was like hey we want to do league of legends but here's all the regulations and we want a huge control of it Riot's going to go no no we're just going to do it on (laughs) our own like no like we, we like they used to i don't know if they do i think it's they had a couple different versions. They had Ivy LOL and they had like U LOL. They had a ton of different like versions of their their high school or their uh, their college level 
League of Legends, yeah, but yeah. They, 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 they do it. They can do it, and it's just fine. The only problem they have is just, you know, collegiate esports is still on the rise, so they're just they're waiting for other people to finally get into it and for, for teams to actually start forming, but they can do a league just fine. They don't need the NCAA, and it feels bad because I feel like there's going to be a ton of bureaucracy, and it's esports is fast-moving, you know? You can't go and go, hey, I want to... We want to pick up Rocket League for the NCAA. Let's write out this like long five year legislation. Yeah, five year contract, whatever that's gonna take a year, and by the time it's all written and signed and stuff, Rocket League might be dead. Now I'm not saying that Rocket League doesn't have staying power or anything, but I'm just using an example that by the time everything gets signed, they're gonna have a five year plan for a, a game that's not even around because that's how esports work sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and that's just it. I think it is gonna be weighed down with like like people who are not familiar with the esports scene, because that's a, that's a big reason why we see a lot of success with like Overwatch and League and Rainbow and CS:GO is because the people kind of behind the scenes are like they understand how the how the market and how everything evolves and like they know how to keep up with it, right? And where I don't think the NCAA does, mm-hmm. like I mean, because it's a very traditional um, like uh, group, I guess. Like I don't know what I don't know what like like. I don't know what how to exactly categorize the NCAA. Um, that is going to weigh it down with bureau, bureaucratical bullshit, and it's just going to be it's going to be a not it's going to be a nightmare, man. Yeah, and it's going to take it's going to take away um, from things like the way that like Heroes of the Dorm Rip uh, <laughs> did things for for like for like tuition and stuff like that, man. They're going to do like you know, I mean, we we like you've seen studies on like how the dubs, NCAA does t- things. And how it basically rips off their players with like the, the student athlete kind of thing. Yeah. Like the the Duke players like shut like they they bring in so much money it's ridiculous, but they don't get a cent of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's not that's not fair to them. Do they get a free ride to Duke? Probably, but I mean like I feel like I don't know, man. I feel like it's just such a dangerous thing to put into 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 esports where it, like I mean like basketball is not going anywhere for a while, so you can put those kind of things and implicate those kind of things, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, like you said, like Rocket League might die, League might die, Overwatch might die, but they have like this ten-year thing laid out that took them three years to develop, and now guys are screwed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you think about it, so a student comes in and they want to play for a college, right? Say if the NCAA is involved, and they're like, okay, cool, I'll play in the league or whatever. Maybe they might even get scholarships. That's awesome. Yeah. But a lot of the times, a lot of these college players aren't going to go on and play pro. And so it's like, okay, well, I want to be in esports. I want to be in gaming and stuff. And obviously, it's like, I'm gonna do, go to Twitch. A lot of these guys stream on Twitch. You know, mm-hmm. that's like their 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 thing that they do. They build up their audience because you know, then they have uh, a way like a, a a backup plan. There's always a plan B because it's like, oh, I'm a I'm a personality. I can stream and all that. But with the NCAA regulations, you can't make money in any capacity yeah. off of your likeness, which. I know the example was there was this one high school or this one college ball player. He made YouTube videos. I don't think they were inherently football related, but he made money off of YouTube and they were like, no, 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 no. You need to shut that down. And so that same implication would go with Twitch. So you can't make money off of Twitch. So why would you stream on Twitch if you're not going to become a partner and actually make money off of it? And it's it's a whole big thing. And it's it's not good because you're you're limiting the players because they need a, a route after this because if you're in college and you're not like the super top of the game or whatever, you're probably not going to go on and be a pro. 
because it's kind of too past your 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 age limit of where cognitively you start to go down. We don't see a lot of super old esports players because of this. So by the time you're done with college, you're kind of done as a professional player. Which, if you're not sowing the seeds then and there for your backup plan, you're kind of done. And so it's like, what do you what do you do? Well, that was and that was the thing I was going to touch on too. Was that like, yeah, man, like your your prime is going to be spent unmonetized in college and you don't have a backup plan unless you know you are able to move right into what you were doing for school but i mean like you just wasted all that time like why even play at that point you know what i mean like why like if you're that good to potentially make money and you're not allowed to um like why why bother you know what i mean i mean again like i i, I guess yes you do get again the scholarship and stuff like that mm-hmm. like, which is good but i mean you can get scholarship for other things you know what i mean like so I don't. I think. I think the the good of getting your scholarship is like heavily outweighed by like missing your entire pro career, missing like you know any monetization options, yeah, stuff like that. I think like I, I don't think it works out. So hopefully yeah. their announcement is we can't do anything for the next ten years, and they, you know, and like I mean maybe eventually you do get better people running the show mm-hmm. in ten years. You know what I mean? Yeah, or something like that. But I don't. I don't know if it'll happen. And also, I have insider knowledge into uh, the NCAA. Um, apparently, everyone at the NCAA is a bunch of boomers, just old and just like super out of touch. So um, yeah, oh, so no. now now you all know that. So that's gonna be who's <laughs> running this. Just a bunch of just old boomers, and like not forward thinking boomers like the NBA, the NBA two K league. Who are those guys? Are like we like this, we like this. Let's, like well, we can we can make this work. You yeah, know what I mean, it's yeah. like the, these are probably the people who you know. There, there's back in the day with uh, Heroes of the Dorm again, rest in peace. Whenever after it came out on ESPN for the first time, these are the same people who were like, "What is competitive gaming? Like this is so silly. Like why are people making money off of Donkey Kong? Like it, it's those kind of people, unfortunately." Speaking of money making off of Donkey Kong, and I know we're kind of. Uh, like rounding up the rest of our time, but AG, uh, yeah, Awesome Games Done Quick is running right now. Yeah, it's great. Literally it's ten awesome. miles away from me, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's super cool. Are you are you gonna go? Like, are you, you have gonna... to get tickets, um, and they oh. they don't really sell that many tickets. So no, the answer is no. I'm not gonna go. But okay. um, I really wish they would have done day passes because I would have picked like gotten a day pass and just went through and just kind of hung out for a little bit and watch a couple runs, but. This we were talking a little bit before about this, and mm-hmm. this was something I was super super interested in. And we've talked about speedrunning. I think speedrunning is a good thing. I think it's really cool, but for me personally, I feel like the novelty of it is wearing off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. Like, I mean, I, we're just seeing the point now where like esports teams are picking up, or like I've I've started to notice that esports teams are actually picking up speedrunners and like actually making them like a part of like their their actual teams and stuff like that. But yeah, I feel like. Speedrunning is starting to die because again, it's a lot of older games. It's a lot of data games. Like you don't see brand new games really being speedrun that much. I mean, like I think the newest one I can think of is like like Dark Souls. Dark Souls Three is like which I mean, those are hype speedruns though. They are. They're real exciting. They're real fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like yeah, I think I, I think you're right. I think the 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 hype might be dying off. I, and again, I agree. East, like speedrunning is great. I think it's definitely competitive. There's no there's no you need to be a special kind of person. Be like, oh, I'm two hours into my run and I screwed up this one thing. Time to restart. Yeah. And we're just going to, you know, we're going to do it again. No problem. Like that takes 
that takes a special kind of mental capacity that I do not possess mm-hmm. by any, by any means. But yeah, no, I just I like I mean I'm glad they still make money or like raise money for for like like like, like this this event is huge. It's very very well known. Yeah, it's for um, a good cause too. So I mean like go and check it out. It's going to be on Twitch for like is it like a whole the, week or week. yes in the, the entire week, week yeah. so just pop in and stuff it's it's for a good cause and if you haven't seen the runs before it is entertaining and i think that's where mm-hmm. we we are a little bit jaded with it is that we've seen the runs before and so it's not as uh exciting to us but if you haven't seen these for sure go out and watch it because it is a really cool event they do a lot of really awesome runs and there's some really cool personalities there um and if you're looking just a meme uh i think try try uh hex is doing like a co-stream with it where he's just like just having fun talking about AGDQ because I don't think he's there this year, but he's just uh, it's like hanging out, joking around with it. So go check that out. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's it's good stuff. It's good fun. Yeah, some cringy memes, but good fun. <laughs> All the <laughs> compilations. I I do I do love the compilations. Oh God, there's there's something else. Yeah. Ooh. But I think uh, that just about does it uh, for this week. Do you have anything else, James? Uh, no, not particularly uh yeah no 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 no. yeah so thanks everyone for tuning in and uh seeing me and james just go back and forth about a bunch of different things especially indulging us when we talk about magic because we we definitely love talking about it but we do yeah Yeah. uh so yeah thanks everyone for listening where can Uh, they find us james (laughs) i love that we're at the point where you have to bait me into it now because i forget so often uh you can find us on pretty much every major podcast platform and even some of the smaller ones like including like spotify um uh, iTunes, all that good stuff. Uh, we're also on YouTube on the uh, the Game Houses uh, YouTube page, and we also have our individual one as well, where you kind of see like all our extra content, which is like interviews, uh, rankings, um, brand rankings, which are which were really really fun to make, <laughs> um, and and stuff like that. Um, we're also on Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Yeah. And did you know that you can find us every single Monday, six thirty Eastern Standard Time, right here on Twitch.tv slash The Game House. We don't miss a week usually. We go every single yeah. week. We're live all the time now. Obviously, we took a little bit of break um, with the holidays and all, but we're we're going strong. We're gonna be we're gonna be here every single Monday. So feel free to tune in every Monday, six thirty Eastern Standard Time. Um, the following day, we're also live on or we we go. The VOD goes live on YouTube, rather, in the mornings um, and all the podcast platforms, just like James said, on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, all those good ones. Um, But with that, I'm Dylan. And I'm James. Thanks for tuning in. (laughs) Thanks, guys.